0: Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you.
1: Does anybody have something to thank God for? Okay. Remind ourselves of the goodness and the generosity of God. And I want you to hold on to that story for the next. Uh, Number of minutes as we talk, because we're going to be talking about money. Yep. And you're like, this is my first time at this church, and he's going to talk about money. Yeah, we're going to talk about money because it's never about money, but we're going to talk about money today and over the next few weeks. Uh, The reality is, is we think about it, we talk about it, we dream about it, we always want more of it anybody honest in the room could always want a little more yeah but i i read this story this week and it it talked about money and how we sometimes view it in terms of our relationship with god and there was these two thieves that were really good together they they would mark houses and they would look for the richest houses and they figured out how to steal from those houses and so they would they had got a whole bunch of money and coins and and stocks and all kinds of stuff but they had grown up Christian, and so they were a little convicted. And so they started to think about it, they're like, oh, "We don't. we're not sure, we better do something about this. So they went to a church building, and they figured that they will go there and they will repent. And so they got down on their knees and asked God to repent, to forgive them, and they did all that. But they didn't really feel so much that they should give up the money. They just wanted to repent and get that. But then they thought, maybe we should give God some of it. And so one of them took and he drew a circle on the ground and he said, God, I'm going to throw this money into the air and whatever lands in that circle is yours. And whatever's outside the circle, whatever little bit it is, I'll keep it for me Take that as your blessing in my life. So he throws his money in the air and it all comes down and some fell in there, but most of it fell outside the circle. So he gathered that up, thanking God for his blessing. Then the other one looked at that and he said, I'm not like that guy. He said, Lord, I'm not going to limit you. I'm not going to draw a circle on the ground. I am simply going to throw it all into the air. and Whatever you want, you pull it up to heaven. Other than that, it's mine. Matthew 6, we're going to go to, and they may show up on the screen, too, on the Sky Bible. Matthew 6, starting at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart. Somebody say heart. Heart. There your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Dropping down to verse 24, 26, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Is not your life more than food, and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? That's the question I ask him around every day, about five, four o'clock. What are we gonna eat? And I rarely have the answer for that. Which, if you had to eat mine or Shannon's, you would thank, be thankful it wasn't me. What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? How are we going to pay the rent? What about the mortgage? What about for the pagans, those that don't know God, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Someone say first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Are any of you in the room a person that wants to know why? Yeah, there it is. Like this one. Why don't you ever see the headline, Psychic Wins Lottery? Or why is the man who invests your money called a broker? Why do banks charge a fee for insufficient funds if they already know you don't have enough? Can I get an amen? And when the age-old question, why do hot dogs come in packs of eight and the buns come in 12? A great waste happening in the world. And why does the church talk about money? Because we're a lot like Jesus. Because there are 500 verses in the Bible, about 500 verses on prayer, about 500 verses on faith, and over 2,000 on money and possessions. Jesus talked more about money than about heaven and hell combined. Jesus, uh, just under a half of Jesus' parables talked about money and finances and possessions and how we handle them. So we think about money a lot. We worry about it a lot. we try and to figure out how to stretch it more. We look at increasing prices and wonder and worry, and we think about it. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we handle money and what happens when we give money. It's my prayer that we will not only celebrate great stories of the generosity of this house and the difference that it has made in so many lives around our city and around the world, that we'll have moments like that. And, that, and it's my hope that you will also know a little bit more about the places where the resources from here and in Princeton go. But more than any of that, that you will know why this is such an important issue for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us, that we would lower our deflector shields and allow you to speak to us in our heart. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. In June, Global News reported that 52% of Canadians say that they are less than $200 or less away from not being able to cover all their bills at the end of the month as higher interest rates and a rising cost of living have stretched budgets. And the report also says that 35% of those that were asked say they already don't make enough money to cover their bills and debt payments up from 30% in April and a record high. It also says that a record 48% of those surveyed are concerned about their financial situation highly concerned. And Jesus comes in the middle of that and speaks to it. A relevant word in Matthew chapter 6 that we already read that was relevant then and it's relevant now because people are people are people. Every time and every season, every generation, every culture, we all have some common things about us. Many of us spend much of our waking hours, as Jesus noted, worrying about our life, worrying about what we're going to eat, worrying about what we're going to wear, worrying about how we're gonna pay for things, worrying about, worrying about, concerned about, so many different things. And the result is, as Jesus outlines them there, is excess busyness, financial stress, running, overwork. And we know that money issues can steal our joy. Money issues impact relationships. They cause fights, they affect our parenting, they limit our dreaming often. They give us, uh, when there's challenges, they give us high levels of blood pressure and ulcers and more. Perhaps that's why Jesus came with almost an urgency. He didn't say, well, I'm really sorry to hear that you're worried. He came right in and was very, very direct to a people that are worrying, stressed, wondering and and, uh, concerned about their situation. And he begins and he ends this section on money by widening the circle beyond simply managing our money, beyond just managing our emotion, and talks about how we manage our heart because our heart is so so important in, in when it comes to finances in verse 21 it says where your treasure is there your heart will be also and verse 24 said, no one can serve two masters. So Jesus was saying, what you're experiencing is not just simply what everybody experiences. You're experiencing a pull between two things for your heart. You're experiencing the pull of the world and worrying and stress, the worry of money and, ma- and the materialism of the age and the pull of the kingdom of God. And wherever, whatever leads your heart will lead your life. Whatever has first place in your heart will have first place in your life. And Jesus is saying, there is another way other than the materialism of our age, other than the financial system that is so limiting and so small. God, I heard someone say at our last elders meeting, God is not on a budget. He has more than enough. He is more than able. He has a overwhelming amount available. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. I remember, There was a lady called Nora Lam who was a Chinese Christian and she came to Canada a number of years ago and she was trying to to start a ministry that God had put on her heart and she needed some money to get going. And she went into the bank and the bank wanted to hear her story and what was happening. Well, tell me, what money do you have? Well, she said, my dad owns the cattle on a thousand hill. Okay, that's good enough for me. Here's the money that you need. And not realizing that the God of heaven is able and still able, not limited by the stock market, not limited by the inflationary economy that we're in. And he is over it all. He's above it all. And you can be too. His business is not limited by the economy, and yours doesn't need to be either. You tap into something different. And he says this, he says, seek my kingdom first, meaning it's a priority issue in our heart, because whatever has our heart has our life. Whatever leads our heart leads our life. We'll move into that a little bit more. So how do I keep money from having my heart? Give it all away and don't have any you live in a box. Not what we're saying. Seek first his kingdom, Jesus said. Seek first my way, Jesus said. Many scholars feel that this was a clear reference to how to live by honoring God, by returning the tithe, which is the first of what you give, the first 10% returning to God that the, the, the people around him would have understood when he's talking about money and he's saying, do the first thing first, he's talking about the area of returning to tithe. And that also sets a priority that money is our servant and should never be our master. The goal is not to have no money. Money is not evil. Money is a servant. It's the way you pay your rent. It's the way that the vision of God is helped to be funded for your life. It's the way you buy your food. It's the way you provide for yourself. It's the way that you are able to do what God's put on your heart. It's the way that widows are fed. It's the way that orphans are helped. It's the way that we feed the hungry. It's the way that you make provision for your future. So money is not bad, but money needs to be a servant, not a master. So Jesus is essentially saying, when you take care of your heart issue with money, I will take care of the money issue with you. When you take care of your heart issue with money, I will take care of the money issues with you. Seek first, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that you've been worrying about will be taken care of, will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry. It's fine to have money, we just need to be sure that money doesn't have us. But how do we ensure that? We seek first his kingdom, we return the tithe. But Jesus enlarged on that even further when Paul writes in Acts 20, 35, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is, everybody say those two words together, more, blessed, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we are blessed, and that word means happier, we're better off when we are givers, when we tithe and are generous, we are leading our heart to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and then we say, Lord, I'm not taking care of me, you're taking care of me. I don't have just a money problem, but you have a problem to help me because you're my supplier. You're, my, you're the one who gives me the power to get wealth. You're the one who gives me strategies to overcome. You're the one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. And I'm not in this alone when I come under and seek you first in all of this. We are breaking when we give. We are breaking the grip of money and materialism that is wreaking havoc on our minds and our emotions and our relationships and our very lives generosity is more blessed to give than to receive. I remember every year we do a a bunch of hampers uh, at Christmas time. We do so many things. You'll hear more about that uh, over the next few weeks. But I remember hearing from someone who got the privilege and joy of being able to take a hamper that was packed here right in this room and took it to a home and they took it into this apartment and they started bringing it all in and this uh, lady was sitting there and her little girl came out of the back room and and the food was laid on and and the little girl was just looking all wide-eyed and suddenly the presents come in and this little girl started to jump up and down and laugh and shout, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, my presents are here, I knew they would come. And the person who was there, the giver, relayed how happy they were. because they got to be a part of giving. It's hardwired into us because we're created in the image of God and he is generous, he is more than enough God. He's a generous God and he wires it into our hearts. But isn't it true that for many of us when we start to talk about money and even earlier when you heard that, it gives way to maybe anxiety, fear, or worse, rising to the surface. I read this this week. That for many people, when we talk about money, our brain sends off an alarm. Beep, 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 beep. You are not safe right now. If you give money away, you're probably going to have to get another job or have less. And you know how that feels. They're manipulating you, so don't do it. That's what's happening in many of our brains right now. But Romans 12, 12 tells us this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And see, we are all formed in some way by our story, by how we were raised, by our family of origin, by our life experience to this point. If you've experienced lack as a child, or maybe you've gone through a bankruptcy, it's often affecting how you look at things how we look at things if you had lived in a stingy home or a generous home it's affected you in some way if you had a lot of insecurity and chaos in your home it's caused it may have caused you to be very careful with everything but you want to know how we are renewed and transformed we are God is essentially saying, no longer conform to the patterns of your story. Whatever formed you does not have to inform what you do for the rest of your life. And by intentionally writing new stories with God, by creating a possibility of new outcomes, by creating new meaning to what we perceive right now is unsafe and undoable every time we resist generosity, we're etching the negative narrative and story deeper into your heart and mind. A narrative that might say this, I am uh, safest when I am in control. I don't have enough. God cannot be trusted, and the church cannot be trusted, and people cannot be trusted. I must maintain control. But every time, here's the good news, we courageously are generous. Every time we give back to God what is rightfully His, you begin to write a new story and etch a new pathway in your heart and in your mind of safety with God, where you are changed and you know and trust God better. And we learned that generosity is primarily about the heart. God has enough money but he needs your heart because life change starts in our heart. Generosity is primarily about the heart. Exodus 35 and 21, when the people of God were building, says then everyone, someone say everyone. Everyone Everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. Because the reality is a willing heart will lead to a generous hand. A willing and stirred heart will lead to a generous hand. And so I'm asking all of us, including myself, would we invite and be so bold as to say, God, would you stir my heart? Would you stir my heart? Would you cause me to be willing when I wanna be pulling back? Would you cause me to be willing to step in to trust you a little more? to trust you a little deeper, to put you first in every area of my life, including my finances, and that's my hope and prayer, because powerful things happen and ripple through your life as you are generous. That's the story of the scripture. It's like God dropping a pebble of goodness into the into the water of your heart, representing your life. And that ripple lands, that stone, that goodness, that blessing that we talked about earlier, lands in your heart and begins to move through your life and beyond your life. Every time we give, a story begins. Every time we give, the rippling effect of one simple act can be immeasurable. Could small acts of generosity by every one of us in the room have a incredible impact in our world. I believe it can, I believe it does. Second Corinthians 9 tells us a little bit more. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. And there's, Paul's talking a whole chapter, he talked in verse six about those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will reap generously. He said, you've gotta decide in your heart what you're to give, and then he lands here in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower. That's God. He's the supplier of the seed. He's the supplier to you. Not yourself, not your job, not your income, not your pension plan. God is your supply. However he chooses to supply, he is your source. He is your source. Or you can choose, we can choose to do it alone. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Generosity begins with God. Who is he first generous with? When you think about your life, you. How many of you a moment ago at the beginning of when I came up here needed to remind yourself, here's how God has been generous with me. Here's how God has poured into my life. He saved your life. Is there anybody whose God has done something incredible, miraculous in your life? Is there anybody who's ever been healed by Jesus? Is there anybody who has seen their life move into newness and hope and purpose because of Jesus? Is there anybody who has seen God restore your family? Is there anybody who has known the goodness of God, who took you out of what you grew up in and has set you on a path that you would look at and you would say, how did I ever get here? God has been good to me. And it's in that context, When we understand how much has been poured into our life, that in in order for us to ever be generous, we have to recognize that God has been generous with you, and God has been generous with me, and we have received much, and then to whom much has been given, much is required. And freely we have received, so freely we give. In the same manner we receive, we give. How do we receive? Generously. How do we give? Generously. But Craig, don't you know, it's stiff, tough out there. Yes, I do. Let's keep going on. Generosity lands in your life, but is meant to ripple to you, that God will supply and God will increase your store and enlarge your harvest. Cheerful givers experience the blessing of God. Sometimes the blessings are material, sometimes they're not. Cheerful givers experience God's riches in so many ways. Relationally, we just talked about it. Physically, emotionally, financially, in so many ways that God has been good. And it's also been proven again and again that generosity makes you healthier. Study after study, there's, I looked at, I was reading about this last week, 50 different stat- 54 different studies in 50 different universities over 60 years, and they came to this, and among many other things, that giving protects your overall health twice as much as an aspirin protects you against heart disease. And it's in a study that ran over 60 years uh, of many, many people from the University of California showed that generosity reduces depression. We are all, have far more than we think. I used to think that it was just about money, but God has given us so much more than just money, certainly money, that he's been so generous. And my heart and my hope is that all of our hearts will recognize where God has been generous with me, And everything that I have in my life is a gift from him and is available to him to be used in his great work of changing the world, of touching lives, of making a difference. Everything in my heart. And when we have that perspective that it's more than finance, it has the potential to have a huge impact for good and for God. Like a pebble dropped into water, the ripple goes out far beyond that one moment to touch many, many lives. Generosity also ripples out to the recipients. When he said in verse 9 and 12, or chapter 9 and 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people. So sometimes you're a receiver and sometimes you're a giver. And you need to be good with whatever it is in some season. I've been both. The ripple effect, though, on the recipients are obvious. Their needs are met, but those are not just material needs, although it starts there. So a lady by the name of Lindsay, who uh, was part of our church and moved away to another part of the country. But she told this story about, while well, packing hampers. She said, when she was a child, she said, when I was a child, it was my family receiving a Christmas hamper and gifts from a church near our house. I still remember the excitement my brothers and I felt when we saw the food and wrapped goods, wrapped gifts. But she says this, imagine my joy when I was able to do the same thing with my children and joyfully, help to pick out and wrap gifts for others, and then to pack and deliver them as well. Imagine how having received as a child myself, she said, living in a materially poor family, imagine how I felt being able to give now, seeing the joy and excitement as we drop those gifts and that food into the lives of someone else. The ripple effect is meant to not just land in your life, but it's meant to flow through your life into someone else's life. As these basic needs are met, the recipients often experience not also gratitude, but also hope. They are encouraged by the fact that they are not forgotten, no matter the lie the enemy has said, that God sees them, that the people of God see them, and their encouragement and hope overflows. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. But I want to enlarge, as I said earlier, our concept around what we have to give, how you can cause a ripple effect through your life far beyond, including finances, but far beyond it. What, it would, what would it look like if all of us were all in with all that God's given us and say, God, however you wanna use it, it's available for you. We, could, we can be generous with our finances. This thing is not working behind me, I see. Not at all. We can be generous with our thoughts. Write these down, there's gonna be about six. Be generous with our thoughts. There's this constant internal battle. Next time you begin to be frustrated with a person or a situation in your life, try giving and living from the benefit of the doubt. What a unique way to be generous is in our thinking because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's so important that we have a posture of generosity in our thinking. We're generous with our words because your words really matter. How many of you can think of a time where when someone spoke positive, positively to you, it lifted you? Anybody? How about the opposite? When someone cut you down and you're like, I still remember that. In grade three we're that teacher, mm. I wasn't thinking of anybody in particular. Miss Drizlis in chapter three, or grade three, was a nice lady. Be generous with your time. See, I'm making this available for anybody. Generosity is available to anybody and everybody in the sound of my voice. This could look like cleaning someone else's home, cooking a meal, praying for someone, volunteering in your church and in your community. Be generous with your attention. This is a huge one today. We can be so easily distracted by so many things. And our phones being the primary culprit. Maybe the best present you can give is to be present. Be be generous with your belongings. It's easy to forget that we all probably have a lot of things that we could easily share. Most of us do. They're in storage lockers, they're in garages, they're in a closet for one day. But do we have a posture of being willing to share the many blessings of resource that we have? Or are we worried that may never be returned or returned in a worse condition? Finally, be generous with your influence. Whether that's connecting a friend with a job opportunity or uh, introducing your friends or their business to another one because you know they would benefit from being their friends too. This also, just to be clear, this is not, I'll pick one of these. So I don't have to do that first one on money. I'm going to be the guy who's going to be a big encourager. Me and God got a deal. I'll do one out of the seven. No, all the ways. Because in every way, God has enriched us in so many ways. And we can be a conduit rather than a reservoir, but a conduit of the blessing and goodness of God into our world, into our families, into our communities, in our words, in our time, in our attention, with our belongings in so many different ways. This is the way of God generosity finally ripples out for God's glory generosity is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God second Corinthians 9 and 12. Matthew 5 16 says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and what say that you're awesome say that your church is the best church on the street no so that they may glorify your father which is in heaven that this is our generosity has never been about us. It's always been about him. It's always been about the people that we can serve. It's always been about the people that will be blessed. Sometimes we're receiving, sometimes we're giving, but it's all in the economy of God, of how things move forward as a generous heart is moved in generosity. The most important result of all this cheerful giving is that God would be praised and glorified not just from the direct beneficiaries who receive, but from others who see God's love poured out through the generosity of his people. We're gonna show a video here in a moment, I think it's ready, of Night to Shine, which is a wonderful event of generosity, one of the ways that we're generous in our community.
0: Ready? Hey, Horizon family, it's Kelsey, and I'm coming to you from our Night to Shine event. We just finished up here and it was so much fun. So I wanted to say a big thank you to all our volunteers, everybody that gave towards Night to Shine. So we want to let you guys get a take for tonight. Here's our highlight video right now.
1: All right, Night to Shine is a prom-like event for people with diverse abilities where we can celebrate them, honor them, people who are often overlooked, uh, marked on the edge of of culture, uh, feeling like maybe they don't belong. And it's a wonderful opportunity that we do with the Tim Tebow Foundation who originally uh, sponsored it and beginning in 2018, I think, 2018, February 2018. And so this is coming up, our seventh one. And the, come on, come on, come on. She loves being up here. You can tell that already, right? <laughs> Behind the scenes, generally speaking, making it all happen is Sharon Kara. So why Night to Shine? Why do we do this?
0: Well, because we love people. Um, we started it because my mom.
1: Can you hear it out there?
0: Sorry. Closer. There we go. Um, we started because my mom brought it to you, Craig, um, Yeah, about seven years ago. Um, the Tim Tebow Foundation does it, and uh, I had a sister with Diverse Abilities at the time, and so we wanted an event for people um, and in- individuals with Diverse Abilities because there are so few things where they get celebrated and they just get to have fun. So that's why we do it, so that they can have a fun night.
1: So there's all kinds of things that happen in here. There was.
0: Yeah, we have, so essentially, when you saw the video, we have a red carpet where they're greeted and they're welcomed and they have a paparazzi-like moment where um, they just get welcomed with big... A hype team, we call it. and then Usually we Daniel's
1: have, in charge of the hype team, right? Yeah, and actually, yeah. I think
0: Caleb might be taking over the job. Too, yeah. Sorry, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have different activities. So we have limo rides available, we have hair and makeup stations for touch-ups, we have the dance floor, we have a karaoke room, we have a sensory room for people who just kind of need a break, and we also have a respite room for the parents and the caregivers to have a moment where they can just catch their breath and then just mingle with other individuals and just have a couple hours where they get to have a little bit of a night off
1: now Sharon oftentimes if you don't have somebody in your world that's uh, in uh, with diverse abilities yes. and sometimes and I know when I first the first time I was like I'm willing but I don't know are you going to help me
0: yeah good question so we actually have a training that we provide is mandated by the Tim De- Tebow Foundation um, so we provided training so we have a lot of volunteers how many of you in this room maybe raise your hand if you were involved last year and it was your first time First time, Or yeah, been involved couple. many times. Ma- yeah, many times too. Yeah. I think we have a lot of individuals last year, it was their first time, they are like very nervous when they came to the training and they're like, I don't know what to expect, I, I would love to be a buddy, and but I don't know if I can be a buddy. And, and so I said, come to the training, take the training and see how it goes and then after you can decide whether you want to be a buddy or you can volunteer in another area. And most all of those individuals by the end of the training were like, I can do this. Yeah. I think I can have fun, and I think I can do this. And so they were a buddy for the evening, and after the event, we connected with a lot of the individuals who were buddies for the first time, and they were so nervous that night. But at the end of the night, they were like, this was so fun. I think I just psyched myself out in my head um, a little too much, but it was so fun. They're like, we cannot wait to come back. And the night goes by so quickly, and it really is, I mean, it's one of my favorite nights of the year, and it easily will become one of your favorite nights of the year just because of how much fun it
1: is. Because there's, f- there's food team. There's
0: yeah, we have food team. We need a parking team. We need a hype team. We need decor setup, tear down, all the things. Um, so if you are willing and able to help, we would love to have you on our team. Uh, there's lots of different areas. If you're not willing to be a buddy, we need food team. We need a sensory room, um, someone to manage that, the karaoke section. There's lots of areas.
1: So obviously, people are like wanting to sign up, even though it's happening in February. How are we going to do that today?
0: Yes, I'll be at the back um, in the Welcome Centre. You can sign up and just give me your email address, or you can just go to nighttoshine.ca under the volunteer section. You just fill out the form, and even if you don't have any experience, we have a lot of questions where we ask if you have any experience working with individuals with diverse abilities, but don't let that stop you. There's, again, lots of different areas where you can volunteer with, and if you want to be a buddy, you can still be a buddy as well.
1: And being a buddy is like, can you do this? Everybody try. That's that's it. And to be kind to someone, right? And it be really, a buddy to serve. So,
0: so when I say be a buddy, I just mean like you're essentially paired up with a guest for the evening. And you just kind of are their friend. So you essentially make a new friend at the end of the night. That's all it is. She
1: said it way better than I did. <laughs> but So... Um, if you'd like to, this doesn't happen till February, but there, we want to get this rolling already. Uh, this costs us between five and seven thousand dollars, and so there's going to be opportunity to give to it as well uh, throughout this next few weeks, uh, and even leading up right up to it. It's one of those things that uh, it really brings glory to Jesus. People continually ask, uh, people that are being hosted, they're like, why do you do this? Because we love Jesus and we love people and we're happy to serve. And so it's just by letting people see our good works, God gets glory through it. And uh, incredible, it's an incredible night. And you, if you've never been a part of it, you'll want to be a part of it. What is the date again?
0: It's February 9th. And I was also gonna say, you know, families, if you want to bring your children, this is a great opportunity for them to just kind of watch and be around. I know my little ones are three and five, and they're gonna be joining us, just kind of hyping everyone up as they come in, welcoming them, giving them high fives. It's a great night to be doing it as a family as well. And we had, last year, we had someone who came all the way from Victoria, just to attend, because there's not a lot of events that happen locally in the area, so we they truly are so looking for a it. We already have about 70 people that have already signed up and ready to go, so, yeah. Wow,
1: How m- and we've had as many as 165, 170, something like yeah,
0: that? Yeah, the, the, the highest number of attendees was 165 people, and so you can imagine we would need about, you know, 350 volunteers, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right let me pray and then I'll, uh, th- lord thank you for sharing thank you for this beautiful opportunity that's in front of us to be generous with our community but lord particularly with those with diverse abilities that sometimes find themselves on the margins lord i pray that you would stir our hearts that you would make us willing that we would respond uh, whether that's in giving of our time our talent our words our all the ways that we talked about today Uh, Lord, also pray as well that it won't snow on that day. All the other snow prayers, we pray that you cancel their prayers for February the 9th. In the name of Jesus, amen. (laughs) All right, thank you. (laughs) You you snow prayers, you know who you are. Not on February the 9th. Uh, We've had it, I think, snow right afterwards, and it's been super, super uh, great night. But we're going to, in a moment, uh, give our... Uh, offerings, return a tithe and give generously of offering. I think people are gonna, you're gonna get one of these on the way out the door. It's just a little card that talks about some of the things that we do uh, as a church together. We can do more together than we can by ourselves. And as I look back over the last number of years, uh, we've seen people, uh, people's lives because of your generosity be touched in camps for kids and youth because of your generosity uh, pastors in 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 the rural areas of africa have had supply we've had people who have come to know jesus we've seen we've seen so many great things Thousands of meals have been given out in our community to people that need them. Hampers, uh, gifts given to kids in school. So many powerful stories that we touched on and we're going to talk about over these next uh, little while. We have seen so many miraculous things as we've chosen with the act of faith to, to say, God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to be returned to tithe and give generously of offering. So we want you to take about this home and over the next few weeks, be thinking and praying about how you can respond. Uh, we're, we're going to, beginning next week, open up our giving to include, giving to help uh, in our Princeton campus, giving to help locally, giving to help globally. And we'll talk about all the stories, but I want you to really be praying about it, how you and your family can respond to Jesus, not respond to fear, but respond to Jesus, not respond to manipulation, but respond to Jesus, not respond to a, a heart sob story, but respond to Jesus. And I, my prayer is that more of us will take the first step of being giving for the first time. I'm praying that some of you that are sporadic givers or emotional givers will grow to become consistent givers and even tithers. That all of us would say, Lord, what would you have me do? For certainly in finances, but in every area of my life, that I would be a generous person. Uh, uh, at the end of the row on my left, on your right, there's a little basket that's going to go down the row. But uh, let me say this, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to give. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be generous. As you have been generous with us, Lord Jesus, may we be generous with others in in all the different ways that we have available to us, including money, but not just money, Lord, that that our lives will be marked by generosity. In the strong name of Jesus, and everyone said,
0: We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.